Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Everyone likes data. Because when you have more data, you have more freedom. Freedom to do whatever. That's why AT&T is offering you 15 gigabytes for 100 bucks, plus $15 for each line. Because the more data you have, the more freedom you can enjoy. Freedom to post more memories, download more fun, and share what matters most with who matters most. 15 gigs of data for 100 bucks, plus $15 for each line at AT&T. What more could you want? I sure can't think of anything. AT&T, mobilizing your world. Come in now and get the all-new LG V10, designed to capture, edit, and share high-quality video. Pricing is monthly for service on smartphones on AT&T Next. Other pricing options available. Overage monthly and other charges and restrictions apply. See a store for details. Thank you for joining us this morning, this Sunday morning, January 31st, 2016. It's really a pleasure to have you with us, and I'm so excited. I know that it's been a while since we've been on the air. You might say that we took a short hiatus, and I'm so happy to be with you this evening, along with my wife, uh, Dora. Hi, how are you, hon? I'm great. How are you? I'm fantastic, and it's really a pleasure to have you joining us. And uh, I'm so excited uh, that um, we've had the pleasure of having a, a guest that has been a, uh, one who's been supportive and, and really inspirational, and that is no, none other than Dr. Christopher Sawpaw. Uh He's our featured guest this morning. Uh, Dr. Sawpaw, uh is in the uh, area of New York City, specifically Brooklyn, New York, in practice. He received his Bachelor of Science in uh, material science engineering from Rutgers University and his doctorate of naturopathic medicine from Boston University and his master's in acupuncture from the New York College of Traditional Chinese Medicine. He has a lifelong dedication to healing and has worked with uh, patients suffering from many different health conditions such as obesity, uh, diabetes, hypertension, HIV, AIDS, and cancer. While in Seattle, Washington, prior to medical school, Dr. Sawpaw helped found 
a mentoring program for adolescents struggling with becoming uh, to become conscious and positive adults. He has also worked for several years in the foster care system with troubled youth and in the pharmaceutical and biotechnology industries. He has worked for six years as the Director of Nutrition at, at the Invite Health Science Center and opening up his practice here in New York City in 2005. Um, without any further ado, I'd like to introduce you, the listening audience, to Dr. Sopor. Uh, Dr. Sopor, are you with us? Wonderful to be back on with you today, and uh, I have the pleasure to uh, also talk to uh, Dora today, uh, who I miss dearly. Um, and so, yes, thank you so much for having me on. Uh, it's a pleasure, and thank you for uh, for being with us. How's how's uh, the weather out in your neck of the woods? Not bad, not bad. We're having a, a lovely day so far. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Well, uh, here in um, in Brooklyn, um, we are uh, uh, enjoying. Uh, Clean streets for the most part, and and the weather is is definitely one that's uh, a blessing where we're not freezing as it were. But so they finally again, got all, all the snow removed, is, huh? Huh? They finally got all the snow removed, huh? Uh, not all of it, but at least <laughs> I would say about seventy-five to eighty percent of it. Yes. Good morning, Doctor Chris. It's good to hear your voice. Good morning, Dora. Good to hear your voice too. <laughs> well. Um, what I'd like to do, you know, starting our show, our first show for the year of 2016, and also with you, uh, I really appreciate your agreeing, you agreeing to be our first guest for the year. I'd like to uh, have the listening audience, especially those who are just hearing our show for the first time, if not indeed hearing you as a guest on our show for the first time, um, I'd like you to share with us, and perhaps you both can share how we happen to meet one another. I know um, that uh, uh, I can just start off by saying, uh, prefacing by saying that uh, you had a, a friend, in, in, indeed a schoolmate, who uh, visited our home uh, to meet with uh, Dr. Malodomi Somme right. uh, a few years back. And his name happens to be Chris as well. Am I, am I correct? That's correct. His name is uh, Dr. Chris Holder. He's a uh, naturopathic doctor and uh, licensed acupuncturist. He practices now. He's in. Um, I think when you met him, Baba, he was in Seattle, maybe even going to school still. But okay. now I believe he's in uh, Northern California. He's really bright, um, Caribbean um, or, or Guyanese, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, very, very, um, very good brother. So um, yeah, he was very interested as you know in the teachings of Maladama Somme, who um, does like a lot of. Uh, you know, African healing, African holistic um, spirituality um, for men, uh, uh, particularly. And um, you know, you you were having them or hosting them at your your home. If I knew that you, if I knew about that at that point, I probably would have been there too. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah. And so um, he, um, um, you and him got to talking, from what I understand. And he uh, said, you know, there's this really good guy in, in New York City right here who I think you should connect with. And from there, um, we connected. I connected with Dora. Um, and uh-huh. I believe Dora will probably be able to share some of her experiences with uh, what she was going through at that time. Um, but we began to work together, and I learned a lot from her um, uh-huh. along the way. 
and um it you know my um my work with her actually made me a better doctor um in that a lot of the people that I was seeing at that point were coming to me for very similar issues you know and um um and issues that I feel like affect our community disproportionately and so um Dora has a passion for healing and was determined to make herself self-help healthy and so uh, it inspired me to become better at at um, bringing this service or bringing this information that I had for to people. Um, so yeah, I believe that we are, all three of us started working together and vibing, kind of like on the uh, in the same way around spirituality, around health, around healing, and trying to um, raise our community. So yeah, I really um, thank Chris Holder for um, for uh, helping me make this connection. Yes, yes. And how is he doing, by the way? Have you? Heard from him recently? I have. I uh, he's he's doing well. Yeah, he's a father now. He's got a little, a, a beautiful little daughter. Um, okay. He, again, he's in California. He just relocated from California to Seattle, and I believe he's building his practice there. But he's he's doing really well. He um he does a lot with breast cancer and um and uh, cardiovascular disease. Um, and he mm. acupuncture a lot also. Hmm. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, when you speak with him, uh, give him my regards, please. I certainly will. Thank you. Um, Dora has a question to ask you uh, regarding your practice. Sure. And I'm just... You know, Chris, um, something that I kept forgetting to ask you, and I wanted to know what made you choose um, to become a naturopathic doctor as opposed to you know, practicing allopathic medicine because it's clear to me that you could be either one. So I'm just curious what made you choose naturopathy. There's a few reasons. I, I think number one, when I was um, younger, um, in my well, 12 or um, maybe even younger than that, 8, 9, uh, my mother became really sick. And um Heart disease runs in my family, as it does um, with a lot of people of color. And um, she's a single mom, kind of um, raising four kids on her own, um, with just lots of stress, you know, as you can imagine. And she was trying to manage all of these things by herself. Um, and so she got sick, and um, she, we almost lost her. So um, she was in the hospital after having a heart attack. Um, and after that, she began to change her life dramatically, right? So prior to that, she was, to deal with her stress, she would drink a little bit of beer at night, she would smoke, and she would work really hard and not exercise because she had four kids, and just eat, like, not good food, fried food, because she's from the South. It would always be, like, fried chicken and, you know, um, cooked vegetables, which are really, really overcooked, you know, how people do from the South sometimes. And that mm-hmm. led to her having a heart attack combined with the stress, right? And so from that, it, it taught me a very valuable lesson and that it changed our lives as well as hers um, and that we began to have, like, lifestyle changes right up front. As soon as she got out of the hospital, okay, no more fried food, no more smoking, no more no more drinking. And I saw how it dramatically affected her life. And she got into her spirituality and things like that just to help her manage her stress. And so that was my model. That was my example for the way I thought healing should happen. Um, and, you know, it's a process. It takes time. And so I actually did. I was pursuing going to medical school. And I actually took some classes in allopathic medical school, the medical doctor way. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but the vibe I got there wasn't what I what I wasn't what I was looking for. It wasn't it wasn't um, what I thought a healing environment should be like. You know, I think mm. that it was um, for me anyway. My experience with it was um, that it was more driven by um, ego. That it was more mm-hmm. yeah. by the need to one up another person or the need to have um to be financially successful as opposed to um you know wanting to help people and i feel like uh, you know i don't judge people for whatever reasons they want to do whatever they want to do but mm-hmm. i feel like um for me it was just more of a calling in that way it was it was something you know i feel like i'm the type of person where i'm not going to do stuff because it, it makes sense in my head it's got to make sense in my heart and so um, I really felt at that point that I need to be aligned with um, um, something that resonated with my soul. And, you know, um, I feel like with Western medicine, if I would have went the medical doctor route, what I had to have done was endure a lot of stuff before I got to the place where I'd be able to do the type of work that I want to do. And yeah. uh, I think that with naturopathic medicine, it's been – kind of like a journey to um, opening up in, in areas, um, you know, spir- spiritually, uh, emotionally, um, with my health. Um, that started from day one, you know, and I think that for me that, that was really important because I feel like, you know, a lot of us get into this business because, you know, they say this is about therapists, right? You know, you're, you're, the reason why you're doing it is because you're trying to heal yourself too. And so I feel like maybe in some way it allowed me to to do that, you know, um, to um, really still continue this path of, like, uh, healthy eating, healthy living, but growing even more from that. We're embracing, like, uh, the impact of um, your emotions and spirit and really, really getting involved in that stuff, too, And as well as, like, in naturopathic medical school, as well as, you know, um, doing all the allopathic medical work where you're studying the sciences and you're really getting into that part of it. In allopathic medical school, the other piece of the healing process um, that, I, that I found important isn't wasn't there. And so um, that's why I kind of decided to do things the uh, alternative route because I feel like, you know, for the most part, I think that I was surrounded. And when I got to medical school, I realized, and before that I realized I wanted to be surrounded by people who had that same, same vision and wanted to go along that same path. Um, as I did, and um, who weren't necessarily in it for the ego um, or, um, you know, really about something different and bringing a new kind of um, way to approach healing into the world as opposed to this kind of um, drug model, right? And so I know this is a long answer, but it's kind of, you know, I I think it's a, a deep question for me. I appreciate so much, Chris, your... It wasn't a long answer. It was a necessary answer because I was just curious, but then after listening to you talk, your answer will help many of our listeners because from what I find, people are still kind of like on the fence with naturopathic methods of healing. And when you describe it the way you did and when you describe the impact 
you know, the impetus for you to enter the field in the first place and then the impact that it could have on so many people is amazing. I'm not going to monopolize the show, but when you were talking, I'm sitting here ready to cry because I'm going to share with, um, you know, I'm, I'm pretty much a private person, but based on healing and what we're talking about, sometimes people need to to just say and disclose things. My mom is in the hospital right now. She's had a couple of surgeries recently. And what you said has hit home because I was telling my husband, Baba, that because of my mom's illness, now I'm on overdrive with helping people to heal mind, body, and spirit. The reason my mom is in the hospital is she had a stroke in 2000. So she's, she's been in a nursing home, you know, for years, and the stroke was severe, so I was not able to have her come home. A few times I tried to get her to come and live with us because I feel the home environment is more conducive to healing than these places. And I've, I've had a lot of disappointments with the hospital venue as well as the nursing home venue. And I think after going there almost every day, by the way, which was a great cause of stress for me, I would go to visit my mom every day. I did that for years until I wasn't able to do it anymore. And I had to report some of the personnel to management because it's clear that they're not there to help the um, patients and the residents to heal. They're just there to get a paycheck. And it was very disappointing. So I've, I've witnessed patient abuse in the nursing home and, you know, that kind of thing. Now, fast forwarding to the hospital, mom's been in the hospital now for about uh, two going on three weeks. Um, first, it started off with, um, and of course, I'm not going to mention the hospital name because I don't <laughs> yeah. want any lawsuits or anything, but it's pretty much the same all over. But, um, yeah. You know, because when I was in the hospital with diabetes, there was a doctor that treated me terribly, and I was in the intensive care unit. And wow. he was just so mean. So it's so I'm not I, – I know it's widespread. It's not just one right. facility that these things are going on. And, and you know, through, through Bob's show, some of these things need to be exposed, and people need to see there's a better way. So mom had to have a peg put in for a feeding tube because she had stopped eating. And they attributed it to her having dementia. And now as um, her health conditions are unfolding, we're finding out other things. Now she had to have, um, uh, what do you call it, the colonoscopy? Yeah, colonoscopy. And yes. she, had, she, she now has a bag. They found okay. a And she's 94. She's 94 years old. But she has she has um she had to have a bag attached to her. They had to, you know, disrupt her function of her colon and, and put a bag and they found a very, very huge mass which was what was causing the problem. Oh, and um they did a biopsy and the biopsy results they said were not clear, so they had to do it again. But fortunately they found out that the mass was not malignant, but now they're trying to figure out, based on her age and everything, should they even try to remove it. And it just seems like they're just kind of making it up as they go along. Um, yeah. While we were in the hospital, she's out of, and she's out of um, surgical ICU now, thank God, because she was there for a while, but she's out of there, and she's in a regular ward. And when we were visiting the Sunday before last, 
they sent in a student, and I don't know who the young lady was. It was a guy. He was a student, and they sent in a young lady with him, and I don't know what she was. She was observing because her ID card didn't say student or anything, so I don't really know what what her um, function was there. And he's, he's um, putting, he was inserting an IV, and he didn't know what the heck he was doing. Oh, so boy. I said to him, what are you doing? And I went and I complained. I went, up, I went to the nurse's station and I complained. And I'm like, this guy is sticking my mom incessantly. I don't know what he's doing, and it, obviously he doesn't either. Why you allow people like this to go and work on the patients unsupervised? And I was livid. So we got him out of there, and the nurse practitioner that was assigned to my mom saw that he should not have been trying to insert that IV in the arm that she had the stroke. Of course, that arm is compromised. Of course, you're not going to get any blood out of it. And that's just common sense without my having gone to medical school. So right. she um, used mom's leg to insert the IV. The blood came right out right away, one, two, three, and it was done. And I was livid, so I complained, and I said, do not have anyone that doesn't know what they're doing touch my mother. I don't even want them in the room with her. So these are the things that are going on. It's not about the comfort of the patient, and uh, especially with the elderly, you know, because a lot of them, you know, like my mom, she's unable to speak or advocate for herself. She can speak, but because of the dementia, people assume she doesn't know what she's talking about. I understand her perfectly because I've known her all my life, so she's able to communicate with me, but if someone doesn't know her, they just say, oh, she has dementia, and they'll just do whatever. So it's, so it's just like what you were saying. With the naturopathic field, I see people that actually care about the patients. In the mm -hmm. hospital, from my own personal experience and from what my mother's been going through, I don't see it there, and I'm not afraid to say that. I mean, the people that work in the hospital, they can get angry with me if they want. I don't care because I'm not speaking from theory or from what someone else is saying. I've personally experienced it, and I see it not only with my mom, Hello? but when I'm visiting my mom, I see other patients being mistreated also. Hello? Yes. Hello? So is the connection still? It looks like the connection uh -huh. is... Okay, so he's probably dialing back in because something happens yeah. with the connection. Okay, so but, um, at, at this point, yeah. uh, we, we, uh, those of you who are listening, we have lost uh, uh, contact with Dr. Sotfor, and I imagine that he's trying to, uh, to call back, and um, it's very apropos at this point to take a time break, uh, and we will be back with you shortly. So please stay tuned. Thank you. And we will continue shortly. And um, 
I see that Dr. Sorkhoi is with us. We had a little technical difficulty. Uh, Dr. Sorkhoi, you, are you with us? I am. I mean, I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> yes, well, uh, indeed, uh, Dorit has shared with us her sentiments about our mother uh, being uh, a patient in a hospital here in, in our community. And uh, one of the things that I just wanted to preface before you respond to what she shared with you was that there is this uh, new culture that's attempting to be generated within the hospital community, and that is to improve the bedside manner, uh, to also be cognizant of the fact that they're dealing with patients from different ethnicities and cultures and sensitivities. So um, I'm optimistic that that will eventually uh, have create a groundswell of change within the uh, allopathic community but uh, again, of course, we're very much an advocate of the naturopathic uh, uh, journey, as it were, which is what you're involved in. So without any, any further uh, digression, uh, how, uh, what are your thoughts about what Doris shared with you? It's very emotional for me. Um, mm-hmm. It makes me angry. You know, mm-hmm. uh, um, it, uh, it, I think we could dedicate a whole show on um, this and the, the, the mistreatment of um, people in, in um, hospitals, but I think uh, in the medical system, but I think, um, I mean, it kind of, it kind of brings up um, Margaret Washington's book, right, with uh, Medical Apartheid, mm. where she talks about um, uh, how the medical system historically has treated people of African descent. And whenever I hear stories like this, a lot of times I, I can't help my mind from going to, to to that. Like, do people who, uh, you know, are in hospitals like, um, you know, in white communities, do they get treated the same? Um, you know, um, is it across the board? Um, it, it's disgusting to hear these things, um, how folks are treated. In fact, um, recently I went into the... Um, to the hospital for something um, involving my daughter, because um, when we uh, first got our, our health insurance, we had um, a, uh, a state-funded kind of health insurance and things like that. So we got um, we got really friendly with one of the doctors that was there, who we thought was a really good pediatrician. And so the people who go to the particular clinic that we go to is a more like low income clinic. It's more like a low income clinic. So the people who go there are more like we're are more like low income. And so mm-hmm. um, we just like the doctor because we think that she's great. And mm-hmm. um, but when we go in there, it's like all of these assumptions are made and all of, all of these kind of um, um, ways that we're being treated that I feel like. People are being treated this way because they already know that you don't have money and that you're a person of color and things like that. And so, I think it just brings up a lot for me when she when she goes through this. It's way beyond like naturopathic medicine versus uh, allopathic medicine or the naturopathic way versus the allopathic way. When she's she's talking about um, the way human beings are treated and treated differently for me when she she talks about that also. Mm-hmm. So. And I think that lots of people can identify with that particular experience. And I feel like if she, you know, uh, again, um, if you were wealthy and white, do you get treated that way? 
So, I mean, mm-hmm. I think that that's what it brings up for me. Um, mm-hmm. uh, in addition, I mean, I just think that it's a failing of the the uh, the medical system. You know, I, I think that they're overtaxed, they're overburdened. I think that they uh, believe that they don't get paid as much or as well. Um, mm-hmm. And so I feel like people don't get the best care, don't get the best treatment. Mm-hmm. I think it's a difficult system to would be a difficult system to fix um, because it's so um, you know heavy um, bureaucracy wise it's just so heavy and I think that again I feel like there's lots of people as Dora said that just they just they get into it because it's a paycheck and they get you know and and if they're feeling like they're not getting compensated well with insurance and these types of things, you have medical doctors that don't even really give a damn, don't care. Mm-hmm. Because to them, in order to make their bottom line, they got to see, um, you know, um, 12 patients an hour or, you know, one patient every six minutes or something like that. And most of the time you don't even see the doctor. You go see the nurse or, the you know, the the the, the, the physician's assistant. But that's the way the mm-hmm. system's designed. Right. You know? So it's not anybody's. I don't think that it's anybody's fault per se. I feel like people kind of fall into bad habits, but it's mm-hmm. the way I feel like the system's designed. You know, people people at the top of medical doctors feel like they're not being compensated well anymore, and so they begin to um, stretch and, and um, they begin to kind of like um, um, push and see mm-hmm. more patients, so that the more patients they see, the more money they can get and they're not getting getting paid per patient as much um, from insurance. And so, again, that is an impetus to see a lot more patients and just be busy and just hurry up, hurry up, and you're rushing everybody along. And so there's this system that's being created that is very much um, driven by the dollar, you know. So, yeah, you're going to have <laughs> someone who doesn't know what they're doing um, drawing blood because the, 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 there's very few people who are, are – um, you know, because the qualified people are probably seeing like seven or eight people already, and so they just throw someone in there um, for her who doesn't know what they're doing. Mm. And so um, I think that um, this is also, to me, it brings up issues of um, universal health care um, mm-hmm. versus, um, versus private health care mm. and, and – um, what that will do to the system once once if we do go to like a single 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 payer system um and i think that people who are wealthy have been kind of saying they they don't want a single payer system because they know that their all of their health care just in general is going to be what dora's mom experienced kind of like the subpar health care um Whereas I think that people, on the other hand, are saying, well, if we just work together to increase the standards of all health care." then all people will be served. And so I feel like there's issues around that, too, that bring it up for me. And so, yeah, it makes me angry. I think it's a political conversation we're having now, and it's very much uh, um, something that I feel like uh, I'm very emotionally connected to. It just brings up so much for me. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm very much into I'm I'm very angry about it, but then I have to put my anger to the side because my being angry isn't good for my health or anyone's health, but especially if, you know, if you've had diabetes. Last thing you need is stress and anger in your life, but I'm a firm believer in don't get mad, get even. 
get and even, in the right? way the way that I believe that we can get even with this system, because I could very, go very political with this, even on down to the prescription medication, just give everybody medication, you know, keep them barely alive, and we'll get rich off of them, and that's a whole other show in itself. It, so it my is, way yeah. of getting even is promoting naturopathy, because right. once people catch on to what you do for a living, Chris, they will run out of those hospitals. I say there was an old expression. My, my family is from the islands of Barbados, and my father used to have this expression, hit them in their pocketbook. You know? <laughs> and uh, and I, I think like, it sounds funny. That's really great. But it's true because once they start pulling out of that medical system, hit them right in the pocketbook. Don't use that prescription medication. It's going to kill you, and it's going to cause something else to go wrong. You know, like just get out of that system and, and go to the naturopathic doctors. If anyone has a question as to whether or not it works, they can ask me because I know that if I had stayed on that insulin and glyphosate and all that other stuff that they were, I'd have been dead probably three or four years ago, you know, or maybe, you know, maybe quicker than that. Because mm -hmm. that, that medicine made me feel like I was going crazy. It made me feel like I was losing my mind. Yes, I had wonderful numbers when I checked my fasting glucose number. Yeah, that was great. But I had heart palpitations. I was probably one step away from a heart attack and didn't know it until I read the warnings on the, um, on the packages. And I'm like, oh, my God, this thing can kill you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, you know, there's so much. So I say hit them in their pocketbook on the political side, and then on a mind, body, spirit, on a personal humanitarian side, have your, you know, for yourself, and this is to the listeners, for yourself, do it for yourselves, your family, your friends, and your associates. Try a naturopathic doctor. First of all, you've got absolutely nothing to lose and everything to gain. And I always say, don't go by what somebody else says. Check it out for yourself. And I'm almost willing to bet dollars to donuts. Well, donuts, right? I'm diabetic. I'm talking about donuts. But I'm willing <laughs> to bet dollars to donuts that you will be satisfied when you start having your health care done by a naturopathic doctor. Your children will feel better. You won't have these side effects from the medication. You won't be nauseous. Your, your body won't swell up. I'm talking about diabetes medicine right now, but I know other of a medication has the same similar side effects. You won't get the heart palpitations. Uh, when I was on insulin, the first time I injected myself, my right leg swelled up like a balloon. I said, oh, shoo, what the heck? And I met a young man that works at one of the companies that my agency deals with. He was considerably younger than me. He was in his early 30s. He had told me he had to quit his job because he was diabetic. They gave him insulin. And he had, um, I don't know what you call that um, condition of the legs, when both legs swell up, they look like tree trunks. It's gout, I believe. Okay. Well, his Is that leg... gout, Dr. Sopor? Uh, maybe edema or um, did he well, have that? Uh-huh. Yeah, maybe some kind of edema. Um, uh -huh. Or if it was an infection, it could have been some kind of... Um, um, cellulitis, but I think if both legs are swelling up, you can just say it's, he's he's got some edema. Right. And his his whole body in general, because he said to me, Miss Gray, I was never this size before. This wow. this just happened after you know take doing the insulin, and mm. he said that you know it was it started getting painful for him to walk, 
and he said that he had to quit his job. And I wow. really felt for him because I met him. I, I guess we always talk about, you know, being into mind, body, spirit. I'm very much into law of attraction and spiritual principles, and I believe that I met him as a result of law of attraction because yeah. what's, the, yeah. what's the probability or even the possibility that I would meet someone who would tell me that story not two months after I had been prescribed insulin and was having those problems? So I said, oh, my God, and he was so much younger than me, and I felt, I felt for him because he had just gotten married, and he said he has to quit his job because using the insulin and having to travel back and forth to go to work, he said it was too much for him. And we're talking about a man in his early 30s. So that, that's one of the stories, but people, people, you know, People need to call into the show, tell their stories. They need to talk with one another, talk to their neighbors, talk to their friends. If you have a medical condition, it's not a stigma. So it's better to talk to people and let people know what's going on with you so that you can help the community in general. Absolutely. Can I, I add I'm something? monopolizing, so I'm done. <laughs> I, I just want to add something real quick. And I think you, you said a lot of very important things. I think one of them is, is that oftentimes when people – um, they get this advice, they have a condition, and they prescribe the medical, uh, like a drug. And then they're on a the drug, and they're feeling poorly, and they feel like if they go back to the doctor, the doctor's just going to say, well, just I'm just going to decrease the dose, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, and I'm going to give you another drug. And they keep going through this whole thing where um, they're on this medication that's making them feel bad, they get put on another one that's making them feel bad, and they get put on another one that's making them feel mm -hmm. bad. And I feel like... That's why I feel like my work is really, really important. I see a lot of people who are in that vicious cycle. I don't pull people off their medications, but I think a lot of times what happens to people is that um, they're waiting and waiting for their medical doctor to make some changes, and they have very, very few options. So what I tend to do is I say, well, okay, I can't tell you to get off your medication, but here's what we can do to help you manage the side effects and help you manage your overall condition while you're doing while you're on this medication, and we can get you better. We can really, really work to get you better, and we create a relationship around getting the person better because I feel like that's another thing. When a person is trying to heal themselves, you got to kind of, you know, as as a to me as a provider, what I always like to tell people is, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not here to give you a medication and send you on your way and never talk to you again and forget about you. This is about you getting better and I don't expect that you're going to get better overnight. So you got to you got to connect with me. You got to call me. We got to talk. We have to have conversations. If you're not doing well, even with the supplements I have people on, if they're not doing well, listen, let me know. So that we can make some adjustments along the way so that you're not having any side effects. And I think that that's what you don't get when you're in this medical system, right? And I think that this is what we're alluding to. A lot of times medical doctors just don't have time for that. Yes. And you're a body and a number, right? Where mm -hmm. I think that this healing journey is very, very personal. We all experience, and Dora, you know, you could talk to this because you work with lots of people who have blood sugar issues. You all yeah. don't have the same journey, but you can definitely help someone along their way, right? Yeah. And that your experiences with diabetes are all different. Like you didn't have that, that level of edema that that young man had, but you certainly can be there to tell him and give him some advice. And so I think that those types of things aren't, I mean, that's what healing's about, right? But those, you don't get those types of things um, in this medical system, and that's what it's failing is. 
I agree. And I, I know I said I was going to stop talking, but I no, just no, wanted no, to have one, one final thing. No, 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 please. I love that. to hear you talk. <laughs> okay, thank you. Well, as far as allopathic medicine is concerned, I'm not suggesting that no one use allopathic prescription medication. And the reason I say that is I have great respect for insulin because if they didn't fill me up with that insulin when they took me to intensive care, I would have died. So I'm not saying don't use it. Everything has a value. All I'm saying is those types of things are not meant to be life sentences. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm saying because it's clear to me. I was gone. I had one foot in the grave, Dr. Saltpaw, before you met me. I had one foot in the grave, and I'll never forget the date because it was December 23rd, 2009. That is the day that I almost died. Hmm. Oh, my numbers had gone. My numbers had exceeded 1,000, and the people, this I can say because I'm not talking badly about them, but I had, they had um, taken me to, um, to Litch. And the, um, the, the doctor said, I don't even know how you're still alive. How are you here? Because they said that my numbers had gone so high that they weren't able to measure them, that all they know is that it was over 1,000. How much over 1,000, they didn't know. Right. So that's the thing. So I, I would have died if I did not get insulin that day. So I'm not telling, I don't want to give a wrong message about prescription medication. It has value. But I know that it's not meant to be a life sentence, and I also know that the cause, and, and you know, unfortunately with um, type 1 diabetics, um, it's different, but I do know that with proper care with the naturopathic doctor, even people that need insulin to live because they were born with that deficiency, that's a different story altogether, but their medication doses can still be decreased. That I know. That's true. So, That's true. Um, so I'm just it, saying, yeah, I respect, I respect prescription medication because I'm still alive before because of it, but the cause is the cure, and if you stop doing the things that caused you to become ill in the first place, your body can heal itself. And that's when I talk a lot about mind-body-spirit approach because you need a balance between the three. You can't live a stressful life. You can't overlook things like meditation, listening to your body. You can't overlook those things and heal. Right. And I just have to second that, Dora, something that you said um, about the medications and that they're not a life sentence. Um, I think that that's so uh, profound and that I feel like a lot of times when people get these chronic conditions, they're saying, well, you know, they're led to believe, okay, well, this is it for you. You've got to be on this for the rest of your life, right? There's no other conversation about how diet impacts that, you know, how emotions impact your condition, how exercising impacts your condition. You can change your body through exercise. They don't even get, you know, they don't even get um, that kind of conversation. And so I see a lot of those people who come to me and they're like, well, I've been on this medication. It's making me feel horrible. I don't have any options. I'm like, yes, you do. There are other things that you can do. And mm-hmm. we can make it so that you may not have to take this so much or be off of it completely. Again, mm-hmm. that's a healing. That's 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 the healing road. That's a process. We can't do that work overnight. And so I do think that working with a naturopath is a bit of a commitment and that I feel like it's easier to commit to just picking up a pill every once in a while. But working with a naturopath, we're going to be asking you to make these kind of dramatic lifestyle changes, not overnight, but in time. And that's how you're going to get better. 
And that time, that time factor is important because many people are afraid, because many people are aware that if they work with a naturopath, they're going to have to change things, and many people don't want to change. My prayer and my mission is to assist people with that journey so that it can to try to help take the fear out of it. Mm-hmm. I, I threw away what my husband and I literally threw everything out of our refrigerator and our cupboards when, when we found out that my diabetes was caused simply you know, by the diet, eating the wrong things, the diet, the stress. But most people don't want to change. It's like asking someone to, it's, it's like asking someone to stop smoking cigarettes today, or you will die from some type of cancer. Now, as an ex-smoker, okay, I can understand the fear. I smoked cigarettes for, oh God, maybe about 20 years. The last cigarette I smoked was March of 1990, and I've never looked back. But that was a process because I tried all sorts of things, including hypnosis twice, which didn't work. Okay, so I understand the difficulty in changing a lifestyle. And that's what keeps people away from naturopaths. So I'm just really here to, you know, everyone in the listening audience, please don't be afraid and don't think that you have to do what I did. See, I didn't want to die. So I was willing to throw out everything in my refrigerator and change my lifestyle immediately because I didn't want to die. But my prayer is that before someone comes down with a deadly disease, maybe something I can say might help them. And then you'll start seeing a naturopathic doctor because prevention is really what will keep us out of these hospitals. Prevention. But you can't do prevention if you grew up and say, um, a family where you ate the chicken and the macaroni and cheese and the oxtail, like we have the oxtail and a lot of sweets and all that kind of stuff, and it tastes delicious, but it'll kill you. If not now, in the long run. You right. don't want to be in the hospital as an elderly person or a person of any age, but I'm thinking of my mom right now who, if it wasn't for her diet, I am clear, she would not have had to have a feeding peg and a bag and all these things, but it's that what's the Indian diet, the food is delicious, okay, but it's not the best thing for you. So a lot of these things that they say are genetic, it's not genetic. They say we have a predisposition for something. No, we don't. All we're doing is learned behavior, and that behavior we have, you know, as adults, we have to be willing to say what we learn is wrong. It's not a place in a blame or anything. It's coming to a realization that to help yourself, you just might need to change. I think that this is a uh, a, a perfect segue for our, uh, you know, New Year's resolutions talk that we are uh, we were talking about and having a. Uh, you know, um, trying to help people struggle with their struggling with their New Year's resolutions. You know, absolutely. Yeah, I, I was just thinking in terms of um, a a a thought about these holidays. One is inclined to uh, go to certain parties and and to over consume uh, things that are not really healthy, but we use an excuse. And of course, there's a little peer pressure involved with like, you know, you're going to come to the party, right? And we made this big cake and all this food and we can't throw this away. And as a matter of fact, whatever is left over, you can take home with you. <laughs> right. So 
And then we have the other aspect of the uh, uh, the post-traumatic slave syndrome by Dr. Joy Degree, which you know gets into that's a whole other show. But just to touch upon the fact that indeed our diet, especially those of us from the South, we have continued the um, unhealthy diet as a result of us being descendants of slaves going back some 400 years ago. Right. And our diet consists of the remnants of this so-called slave master that he left, you know, for us to eat in the field, as it were. Right. And and then we've considered that to be norm at this point, like Dora was mentioning about ham hocks and, you know, okay. uh, oxtails delicious. and so forth, you know, very delicious and spiced up. Yes. But uh, indeed, over a long time, you know, exponentially over a long period of time, um, the body begins to suffer. It keeps score, as it was what we say in the running community. So um, I, I'm, I'm really, you know, excited about you being on board again with us and having these discussions so that the listening audience can become proactive and and, and become more more critical thinkers in terms of how their life's journey is uh, as, re- as a result of uh, the diet in which they have embraced. So, uh, yes, let's, let's get into this New Year's Resolution Health Initiative. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think with, um, you know, with the work that we do, this is, where, this is where all the work is, right? It's like mm-hmm. making that commitment and waking up every day and doing it. And so, uh, and the way I work is as a naturopath, you know, you see me for a visit. I write you out a plan, and that sets the direction, and then we check in with visits, and I can give you encouragement and things like that. But all the work is yours. Like when I work with Dora, this is our conversation all the time. Listen, I can give you, I'm going to give you this information, but you got to, this is all your work. And Dora was great, did all of the work, did everything. Most people don't. That's the difference, right? And so and I think that this whole New Year's resolution thing, in a larger sense, is about that. It's about, like, committing to this healing journey and how do you effectively do that? You know, what 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 um, allows you to get up every, in, in, every morning and be strong enough to do the things that you know that are going to make you healthy? Where, and mm-hmm. as soon as you step out your house, you know, you've got McDonald's in the corner, you've got Dunkin' Donuts, you go to work, and your coworker brings in a box of donuts because they're trying to be nice. I mean, this is stuff that people <laughs> that people have to go through every day. But how do you discipline yourself enough to to uh, get this done? I think Dora can really speak to that because she's actually had to go through that. But just some a few things that I usually try to stress to people is that like when they're setting these types of goals, they just really need to be very realistic, as real as real as they can. For instance. Resolving never to eat your favorite food again is setting yourself up for failure, right? And so if you do like oxtail every once in a while, you know, maybe you can say, okay, you can strive um, to just to have oxtail once a month, you know? I think that that's a good start. And then eventually you'll know that you'll probably, you know, after a few months, you'll probably skip a couple of months. And then it becomes like three months since you had the oxtail, right? So you got to right. be realistic. You got to set realistic goals. You got to set attainable goals in the very beginning. I think planning ahead is really, really essential, right? And so mm-hmm. you don't want to wait to the last minute to decide. Okay, well now I'm going to change my diet tomorrow, and you still got, you know, um, 
Dunkin' Donuts, Frosted Flakes, fried chicken, uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken in your refrigerator. That's tough, you know. So I think mm-hmm. you have to plan ahead, like you, like Dora stated. When she was diagnosed, you guys went, cleaned out the cupboards, cleaned out the refrigerator, stocked your stocked your uh, pantry with good foods, put good foods in your your pantry. You planned out how you know you know when you were going to get to the healthier supermarket you can get to where you can get your organic produce mm-hmm. things like that you took the time before getting into the getting into this kind of um routine to plan it out it's so important and um you know you actually want to outline your plan um you want to uh, make sure um that you um have your plan like written down and um, that you can, like, look at it. You can visualize it. You want to um, have um, people in your community or around you, your husband, your family, who also can see your plan. And and you have to be really open about what's going on, right? And so when, like, for instance, I always think about the guys who, you know, I go to the gym a lot, and I always think about the people who um, who uh, say to me, when I they haven't seen me in a while, like, wow, you know, I haven't seen you in a while. What's been going on? That's really important. It's really important to help someone to stay on their plan. And mm-hmm. so allowing people to know that this is something that you are doing, that this is something that you, you're trying to accomplish, having, having a partner along the way. Um, when Dora was going through this, I imagine she needed to kind of like um, get you on board with what she's trying to do, Ababa. And so that's yes. really important. It's important to outline it. To me, it's important to let people know, you know, uh, talk about it. Don't be ashamed of it, you know. Um, mm-hmm. you got to make a pros and cons list, I think. Um, and so you want to, um, you know, um, talk about your benefits and risks, like what will you benefit from doing this versus what you're going to lose. And I mm-hmm. guarantee that the benefits stack up. Again, you want to talk about it. You want to tell your family. You want to tell your friends. And I think that reward is essential also, right? The other part of it yeah. is that, um, you know, if you are, for instance, um, struggling with diabetes and you decide that you want to lose some weight, you create healthy rewards for yourself, whereas, um, you know, a reward wouldn't be, okay, well, I'm going to allow myself to have donuts for just one day. You can say, well, what I'm going to do is because I'm really exercising consistently and I'm doing this thing, I'm going to buy myself a new pair of sneakers, you know? So you can reward yourself that way. And so if you feel like you're being consistent in the gym, you create a positive reward around that and you say, well, okay, I'm going to get myself a new tracksuit, you know, or I'm going to um, maybe compete in some, like, little race that costs money or I'm going to go someplace to um, – someplace warm to run. So, you you know, you, you create rewards around um, the accomplishments that you've made. You want to track your pro- progress progress and make it visual, right? And so you want to have ways um, that you can look at your weight loss, ways that you can, that you can track your, um, your blood sugar, for instance, right? And if you fail, um, don't beat yourself up and have positive people around you who are going to help to pick you up, right? And so um, I think that sometimes it's hard to to not get down on ourselves. Um, but, again, this is all part of the process. I feel like I, I've said this many times. I think that whenever I give someone an instruction, I think that the norm is that people do about 50% of what you tell them to do. And so there's, you know, there's 
that much uh, of an opportunity to beat yourself up. And I always tell them, like, listen, you're gonna you're gonna fail at this, but you gotta keep trying. And um, when you do fail, don't don't beat yourself up. You just gotta kind of um, um, use that as a lesson and kind of just push through it and move on and make the right decisions the next time. Um, you just got to keep trying. And so those are the things that I feel like um, would help, you know. Again, I feel like focusing on having people around you to help you through it um, and talking about it and letting people know is really, really key and essential. And um, planning um, planning early and, um, you know, making lists and having visuals. Hmm. Yes, that's that's very profound. The, the visuals and making a list, and the peer pressure, positive peer pressure. Right. I, I like that. You know, I, I just want to uh, share with you a, a a story of a person that Dora and I met at a walk in uh, Prospect Park, Brooklyn, New York. A walk for cancer, I think it was. The bre- yes, the breast, breast cancer. cancer walk. And this brother that we met. And I had the pleasure of walking with him. I think Dora and I had lost contact with one another in the walk. And I'm walking with Damien. His name is Damien, um, what is it, Garganius? Garganius, I believe. Damien Garganius, I believe. Uh, You can Google his name. But he was on The Biggest Loser for... um, uh, Some seasons back. Some seasons back. He was on The Biggest Loser. for, for, For quite a while, for a few shows. Because he was losing weight, and he happened to also have met a young lady who eventually became his wife on the show. He met her. And the point I wanted to make was that as I was walking with Damien and talking to him about uh, Dora's um, plight with diabetes and mm-hmm. the fact that she was recovering from it, he made a statement that was so profound and it resonated with us mm-hmm. even up until the day that we're all one meal away from diabetes, mm. that many of us have diabetes, at least, uh, what is it, second? Type 2. Type 2 type diabetes, two. Yeah. but are not aware of it. And if we are not eating healthy, that we could succumb to being inflicted with this disease of diabetes at a moment's notice. It's true. I believe the Center for Disease Control had statistics. I think there's around 5 million people or so who are what they call pre-diabetic and they don't know it. Yes. Right. So I'm saying all this to say that the show is about the New Year resolution, health orientation for 2016, that many of us, unbeknowing, have perhaps subjected ourselves to being at risk and that risk being exacerbated by us celebrating the holidays, such as a New Year's Eve party or Christmas party or any type of, uh, you know, gathering for whatever celebration. And I'd like you to share your thoughts on that, uh, Chris, um, in terms of uh, Damien's... um, Statement. uh, Yeah, the statement that he made. And and I I may add also that, unfortunately, he's no longer with us. Um, a year ago, he passed. I don't know what the circumstances were, uh, but um, each of us has a um, a purpose, as it were, in in terms of our life's journey. And he served his journey. He, he, his life was well served. And of course, just that 
bit of information has made a tremendous difference in our life. Uh, I've been a vegetarian for more than 26 years, and Dora has been a vegetarian for going on eight years. But we found out, I mean, I was a vegetarian. I was still drinking drinking uh, sodas and, and even thinking, well, I'm not drinking a Pepsi, but I'm drinking a ginger ale, so that's not too bad, and I'm trying to uh, convince myself the fact that it has ginger in it, in it. There's some redeeming attributes to the soda, which was not, you know, not the case in terms of the sugar content. But with Damien, I'm sorry, I just wanted to mention, and I'll never forget him because he gave me a DVD, which I still have and I watch occasionally, and the DVD tells you how to reverse diabetes in 30 days. Yes, yes. And uh, and that's something that the listening audience can uh, uh, email us, uh, give us a call, and we'd be more than happy to share with you the information about that DVD. As a matter of fact, the next time you're on the show, uh, Dr. Saltport, perhaps we can even um, discuss the content of that DVD because I'll uh, send information to you uh, about it and then we can have that discussion. I'll get the link because I believe it's, it's, on, YouTube. it's on YouTube now. Yes, so exactly. I'll get the link so that we can put the link on your website and people can watch it. Absolutely. Yes. And that's another conversation about the Internet. Um, I, I'll, ask, I'll discuss that point with you later on in the show. But... Um, what was we talk? What were we talking about again? Um, about his statement speech. that you're one meal away. Right, right. right. So um, I I do think that that is uh, a good mindset to adopt for everyone, because uh, I think in reality what what he's saying is that everyone is at risk, and we mm-hmm. see we see you know everyone is at risk. I mean I know people who are marathon runners that are diabetic, people who are thin and muscular who are diabetic, people who, mm-hmm. you know, and so diabetes doesn't necessarily look like the overweight person that's sitting next to you, that's that's shoving, like, uh, donuts down their mouth. It could be someone who, who looks otherwise pretty healthy. It's really shocking to me how much I'm seeing even more in my practice um, where people are telling me, yeah, you know, I've got this little, it, my doctor says i got this little issue with, with my blood sugar. You know, and it's a 35-year-old woman that's 120 pounds and like 5'7", and you're thinking to yourself, like, how can this be? You know, you, mm-hmm. you, you look so healthy. Um, but in reality, I think that there are a lot of things going on that are making this more prevalent. I think that the quality of our food, the toxins in our environment, Stress. The stresses in our lives, all of these things are impacting us a lot more profoundly that are setting people up for, for having much more of this. So I believe that he's right. We're even seeing not more diabetes in um, young populations of people. The fastest growing group, I feel like, are, 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 are children, right? We're seeing yeah. it with, with children now. And so, um, you know, I, I do, that does resonate with me deeply. In fact, one of the things that I've been looking into in my practice um, and I believe that I'm set up for doing come March is um, doing a diabetes screening, a pre-diabetes screening with um, with through your urine. And the reason why this is important is because um, obvious, right, is that we need to kind of figure this stuff out before it's too late, before you go to your doctor and you're you're fully diagnosed, even before they tell you, well, you're pre-diabetes, right? 
And so there are ways that you can monitor um, someone's insulin patterns or the way that their body secretes insulin very early, and it can give you signs that there is something going on. How you're, so what happens is, is that when you have um, a, a, a piece of food or a meal, your body, um, um, it creates glucose in your body. And then your body secretes insulin so that it can bring it it can bring it into your body, it can kind of put it in your muscles, it can store it in your liver and things like that. And so the first signs of losing the ability to do that is when your body begins to respond differently when insulin, if you're making too much of it, for instance, and so you're becoming um less and less sensitive to it. The areas that the glucose is supposed to be stored is becoming less and less sensitive to it. So now that there are ways to detect this really, really early on, and I feel like it's something that's really important for people to look at who've got family history of diabetes, um, who are of certain um, ethnic descents, and that I feel like you see a lot more of it in people of color, um, um, Asian people also, um, Latino people. Um, and so I feel like once you have that information, then earlier you catch it, the easier it is to correct as you know, Dora, like when, when when you're far gone into the whole diabetes process, you don't want to wait. It gets so much more work if you wait to the very end where now you've got to yeah. be on insulin because your pancreas is already burned out. Yeah. You know, There's like a place where you can get with this condition where it's the point of no return. That's why I think that it's very, very important to detect these things early and to adapt this, to adapt this mindset that this gentleman had where it's like, listen, we're all one meal away. So it's like saying, listen, you can't be, you just can't straight up, you can't be eating this type of food anymore. No one can. Yeah. You know, no one can be eating like this highly processed food and, um, you know, drinking sodas all the time and thinking that you can do this regularly. You have to approach it like, listen, you're one meal away. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. who you are. It doesn't matter if you're a professional athlete. It doesn't matter if you're a child. It's taking everybody out. So um, we we kind of need to have this approach with it. We need to develop more, um, better techniques of screening this early, and just putting it in like a standardized, standard kind of, um, um, you know, your standard medical, uh, um, you know, analysis shouldn't always include that. You know, you got your glucose levels there, but they don't check the other stuff that that are more that's more like early screening, early warning. You know, once your glucose levels start to flip up, that's what they normally test for. And once that starts to increase, it's almost you're too late. That's the problem with a lot of the testing that we're doing now, and that it's not early screening. You know, once it's high, it's already too late. You know? Yeah. And so the levels that they set for diagnosing you with diabetes is like if it's over one twenty or something like that and if it happens twice then they just diagnose you with diabetes. But what happens all the time before that? You know, it takes you years to get there, and there's no way, there's really no way in medicine right now where we can kind of, you know, consistently check for this, even with our, even in our children. And so this is one of the things I'm beginning to implement more in my practice is kind of trying to do like an early warning thing. And, you know, if you see those insulin, if you see that insulin level begin to, to um, become and act erratically, then we can say, okay, you know, you got to stop this. That gives you motivation to stop this. But again, adapting this mentality, like, listen, you're one meal away. We just need to be having healthy diets. Period. Mm-hmm. End of it. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. 
I'd, I'd like to uh, tell the listening audience that if you would like to um, call in and share your thoughts with Dr. Sark Paul and myself and Dora, please call in at 646-716-7935. Again, that's 646-716-7935. And push the number one button on your phone, and that would indicate that you're raising your hand and you'd like to speak. Thank you. Uh, before we go any further, Chris, I'd like you to share what type of services you provide and also how does one get in contact with you and where you practice? Right. So um, I practice um, in, in a few different places. I feel like I'm all over the place. Um, I am have an uh, office in Peak School. I'm here on Mondays um, at uh, um, 810 South Street in Peak School, New York. Uh, again, I'm there on Mondays. I'm at... Um, in Manhattan, 230 West 13th Street, Suite B. I'm there on Sundays and Wednesdays. I'm in Brooklyn at 255 Eastern Parkway, Tuesdays and Thursdays. So I practice five days a week um, and in three different places. Um, you can call me at 917-837-6722. But it's better if you email me, and that's at drsawpaw at gmail.com. And so it's just Dr. Dr. S A L T P A W at gmail dot com, um, and what I do in my practice is naturopathic medicine. A lot of times, I work with people who have these chronic conditions, and they need a second voice. They need a second opinion. Uh, they need someone to help to put them on a path of um, getting away from the medications, of really working on getting healthy, of addressing the core issues. Um, and a lot of times the patients are doing well on their medications, but they're like, listen, I can't, I just don't want to be doing this for the rest of my life. What can I do to put things in place to help me um, be be drug-free? Um, you know, how do we make this happen? And so we, we, we work together to, um, to get the person to that place. And mm-hmm. so um, that's the type of work that I do. I do um, acupuncture. Um, I do this using acupuncture, herbs, um, nutritional supplementation, dietary changes, exercise advice. Um, I use homeopathic remedies, um, which kind of work more on um, the mental, emotional, spiritual, energetic plane because I feel like um, healing needs to happen there also. Um, and, um, and body work, so like Twina, which is Chinese massage, um, Again, acupuncture, and so these are all modalities that I use to um, to help people. I do um, a diet, a regular diet. So I've got a um, a diet that I work with that's called Ultralight that I think is very very effective. And so I run this diet program. I also run a detoxification program that I think really helps people. Um, so it's a lot of things that we're doing in the practice, and we're growing more because I'm. I've now got the ability to work a little bit more um, free because I'm working with some medical doctors and we'll be able, we're going to be doing some alternative testing, like I mentioned. Um, we're going to be doing some of the early glucose or early um, um, blood sugar issue stuff with, um, with urine testing of that, and uh, we're going to be offering a lot more services there. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have – what are your fees? Um, so uh, my fee, my first office call fee is um, in Manhattan. It's a little bit different than it is in Peekskill. So Manhattan, is, the first office call fee is two twenty-five. Follow-ups are one hundred. 
if it's naturopathic medicine, if it's acupuncture, the first office coffee is one. Twenty-five uh, follow-ups are a hundred. I do sliding scale. Um, you so do if a person, yeah. So I do a sliding scale. So if a person has um, financial issues, we can we can always work things out. I offer packages um, oftentimes. So if a person um, finds it difficult to uh, um, commit to continuous visits, we can package a deal and you can get last for each visit or payment op- payment plans are also available. So I've always worked with people. I also accept um, health insurance. And so a lot of my mm-hmm. patients are just using their health insurance to see me as an acupuncturist. It would Some health insurances pay for acupuncture. So um, as long as the person is getting some acupuncture, a lot of times we're able to um, accept their insurance. Wonderful, wonderful. Um, and and um, another question: Do you make house calls? Yeah, I, I am. I do. Or? I have in the past, and I certainly am willing to make house calls. Um, the fee great. is usually a little bit more to pay for travel and time, but I'm yes. certainly willing to do that. Great, great. Well, well Dora just responded with a uh, a, a very uh, positive grin when you mentioned that you accept the. Uh, Insurance. <laughs> yes, because well, I was going to speak with you off the off the broadcast about it, but I'll just I'll mention something that we had talked about that I'd like to invite you to speak at my place of business. And when you just mentioned that you accept health insurance for acupuncture, it was I felt like saying yippee. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I would love to speak there. Wonderful. But after after the broadcast, I'll talk to you about yeah. it because it happens the the um the time that I have for the forum it happens to be on one of the days that you are in Brooklyn, so that's awesome. Yeah, hey, that's great, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, Dora constantly amazes me, and I'm so proud of what she's doing in terms of her advocacy for health, uh, not only within our family but within. Uh, uh, the circle of her professional um, environment. And uh, I also might, may mention that she's a life coach. So, Dora, would you like to share with the listening audience about your uh, new uh, addition to your services? Surely. I'm a certified life coach now. It's something that I had been working on for about a year. And uh, life coaching, just in line with what we're talking about, naturopathic healing, it's necessary because one thing that I did not really talk about with my healing journey, um, yes, I have the benefit of being married to someone who is vegetarian and is an advocate for natural healing, but most people, and I'm saying most, most people don't have that type of support system. Okay, and and when I talk with people, matter of fact, many people have what I call negative support systems because it's just something about, and again, we're not here for shame or blame. We're here to give straight talk, real talk, so that people can identify with what we're talking about and use this information to help themselves. It's not about blaming your uncle or your friend for not doing you right, or it's not about blaming your dysfunctional family or whatever. It's, It's not about that. It's about healing, but you can't heal if people don't speak the truth because right. you'll just be walking around in your little illusionary world wondering why the world seems like it's going crazy around me and I don't know what to do. And that's a right. result of people not giving you straight talk. 
So we're right. not here to shame and blame, but with that support system, for instance, when I told people that I was um, healing from diabetes, what do you think people do? They immediately start shoving cookies and donuts at you saying <laughs> you're not going to make it. Not it's a, the same way yeah, yeah. like when I had stopped smoking cigarettes years ago. I guess it's like 25 years ago, 26 years ago, I stopped right. smoking cigarettes. When I announced to my friends, I'm done, the reason I'm stopping is I don't ever want a doctor to say to me, you have cancer. Like I was definitely right, afraid. Right. Said, Let me be proactive. Let me quit while I'm ahead. They haven't given me a bad report. Now, don't you know that everyone I know who smokes were like, you're not going to make it. Here, just have a cigarette. You know you want one. So what I had to do was get rid of people, places, and things. Okay? And I, I did that on my own, but I'm clear that many people cannot do things like that on their own. You need assistance. And you can't overtax one person either because that's not fair to them. So it's like how Dr. Saltpaw was talking about, you know, he'll, he'll do counseling. He'll tell you about your diet and your lifestyle. He'll give you exercises. By the way, I still have my package that he gave me. I held up to that type. And, uh, oh, yes. <laughs> and I share it with people, and I let them know this might not be your exact prescription, but this was what I needed. Mm -hmm. But just to give them an example of what they get when they work with them. So I share mine with great, people. Great. So, um. But getting back to what I'm talking about, about the life coaching, coaching is important because you might not have a positive support, um, support system. Many, many people don't, and many people are failing for that reason. Mm -hmm. And as a life coach, as a life coach, I do encourage you to work at your own pace because the idea is this is not a competition. This is not a race. Mm -hmm. It's not about what anybody else is doing. It's your personal journey. Right. And the, the, the goal is simply success, not the time that it takes to get there. Great. So you don't hear that from a lot of people, and that was the impetus. That was the impetus for my um, doing the trainings and becoming a certified life coach right. because I personally know how important it is to have a support system, whether it's with your health, whether it's relationship issues, whether it's career issues, whether it's a spiritual issue, it could be anything. It's important to have a positive support system from someone who does not have a stake in it. Great. Great. Okay? Uh, who does not have a stake in outstanding, it. Outstanding, honey. Um, I'd like to ask you, tell, tell the listening audience, how can they get in contact with you if they are interested in your services? So you can call me. The phone number is 888-449-0413. You can call me. You can leave a voicemail if I'm not available. You may also email me at Dora, D-O-R-A, 4367 at gmail.com. Would you repeat that again? Dora, D-O-R-A, 4367 at gmail.com. Great, great. Well, I, I'm I'm really excited about the, uh, your new venture, Dora, and your addition to what you're doing because it's something that's very much needed. And Dr. Saltpaw, uh, needless to say, what you just shared with us just even makes me more um, excited about having you on the show again and, and sharing with the listening audience uh, the services that you provide and also the information uh, that you can give to our listening audience and, and ourselves here at home 
of how we can uh, maximize our health uh, during the year 2016. Uh, unfortunately, we're at the end of the show, oh. and, <laughs> and and I, I'd like to just say that this was actually part one. Uh, would you agree, Dr. Chris? So yes, absolutely. We got a lot. Uh, we have a lot more to talk about. I feel like uh, uh, a, a lot to talk about. Absolutely. I mean, some of the areas that we will touch upon is your acupuncture practice, and um, and then there's something that you and your partners, your new partners, are dealing with, even uh, certain things within a sexual um, area like erectile dysfunction issues, uh, stress reducing. Uh, treatments that you have incorporated in your practice, and uh, heart and stroke disease. Uh, just a, a plethora of, of things that I think are germane to our community in terms of their health issues that we all probably, if not individually, have someone in the family that, that is at risk in those areas. So uh, I'd like to thank you, Chris, for uh, being with us this morning. And I look forward to uh, perhaps next week uh, at the same time at 9 o'clock next Sunday morning that we will have you on board again with Part 2 of um, Grassroots Holistic Health um, 2016 Health Initiative. That's so wonderful. Thanks again. I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. Great. Wonderful. Are there any, any um, thoughts that you'd like to share before we go up the air? Um, no, I just I just had such a wonderful time talking with you, and you know every time um, and, and being on the air with you, every time I um, uh, get to get a chance to listen to Dora speak and listen to you talk, it's just so much more inspiring. And so um, now I'm going out to uh, to see some patients um, in my Manhattan office, and I just feel so good. I feel like I got so much to give, and I feel like that's one of the things that's really important when you're going through this. Uh, you know, when you're doing your own healing or, or, or just with anything. It's just like, you know, having those um, positive influences. This has been like church service this morning for me. So, um, <laughs> you know, I, I, feel, I, I feel so good. And I think that, again, okay, it's really okay. important to have this, you know, have a community where you can get this from. So Wonderful. This work has to go on. We have to spread the word about Dr. Saltpaw's right. practice. And Dr. Saltpaw, if you have flyers, I'd, I'd like some so that I can give them to my colleagues. I've been Absolutely. giving out copies of your business card because I ran out of your business card, so I made uh-huh. photocopies <laughs> of them. And I've been giving yeah, those and I, out. I would like to get with you about life coaching because I do think that um, there's this whole way that I feel like patients need consistent coaching uh, all the time. Um, you know, you know, as 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 a practitioner yourself, you know. You're 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 successful if you have people saying, "Wow, this person really helped me meet my goal." But a lot of times, people don't meet their goal if they kind of, you know, they visit you and they don't see you again. Yes. Yeah. And so, you know, people need coaches. They just do. Um, and so, I would like to get that information from you too. Surely, absolutely. Well, again, thank you, and um, give our regards to your family, your wife and daughter. And uh, we look forward to next week. Absolutely. And you have a blessed week. Thank you, you too, my brother.
This tax refund season, MetroPCS has an offer so good you'll want to shout it from the mountaintops. Switch to MetroPCS! Metro and get two! Get two! 4G LTE phones for free. Switch to Metro PCS and get two free 4G LTE smartphones from brands like Samsung and LG. Only at Metro PCS. Limited time offer. Sales tax not included in phone price. After instant rebate. Coverage and services not available everywhere. See store for details and terms and conditions. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.